Hey, it's Miss Mama Gen Z coming to you from the internet. Okay, whoa, I've been really happy you to sit and watch me win again and win again and win again. I know it's probably getting on me when I'm sending them. So if I ever win again, it's nobody the minimum. I didn't have to sing a song. Hey y'all, so your girl is here. Um, this episode, I am by myself, and that is perfectly okay. But yeah, this episode, I will be telling you all about the part two of the Colin in Black and White analysis. highly recommend that people watch this show it's on Netflix and if you don't have a Netflix account use like um, a friend's Netflix or your booze Netflix or your grandparents or whatever like but you all should really watch this show because it shows you all how present and past day America has been you know set up over time when it comes to BIPOC and and majorities such as white people so you know it is a really cool watch and I do think that Colin Kaepernick did an amazing job showing the experience of a black person in America, especially in the early 2000s. Y'all, and my question of the week is that if any of y'all had to make any type of social justice Netflix show or star in it yourself or, you know, write it or whatever, whether that is about, you know, any social justice topics such as police brutality or microaggressions or just anything that is not really talked about in America, but makes a big impact to how, you know, BIPOCs live and yeah. What would your show be about? So I will give you all about 10 seconds just to think about that. Or if you would like to skip over 10 seconds in that part and just get straight into the episode, then that's cool too. Okay, Gen Zers, y'all know what that sound means. We're about to get into the episode. Okay, y'all, I would just like to say this before anything else. The directing style by Ava DuVernay is amazing, okay? She literally did her stuff. And honestly, the way that the show was also written and the whole piece together, the visuals was just really cool and captivating. Okay, so Colin mentioned that it wasn't enough for him to be the best player on the field, even though he was the best player on the field, and this still makes me mad. When he was the best player on the field, um, the coach actually picked someone who was white. And I honestly think that's because they didn't expect Colin to be so good. And they just had, you know, this like blonde haired golden boy idea already of who they wanted. When they didn't really like think to themselves, oh, wait, Colin is here. And he just showed us what he can do. And he's actually, you know, better than the golden boy who everybody has been bragging about. So maybe he deserves to be quarterback. So I was happy when Colin brought this up because no one talks about the racial discrimination that is in sports, especially in football. So apparently, um, you know, from 2000 to like 2021, 2022, here we are now, there have only been 11 black quarterbacks playing a significant amount of time in the NFL. And although this is like the most that there's ever been in the NFL, this is honestly a shame. And there should be more because... The league's player majority, like the most people who play football in the NFL, they are black people. 
And the fact that there are 32 teams and the amount of quarterbacks that there have been in two decades um, in the 21st century, you know, from 2000 to now, has only been 10 black quarterbacks is just really something to look at. And I feel like there's something behind that because I know that the quarterback is like a really important role in the football team. And like a lot of people look at the quarterback. But to be honest, it shouldn't matter what skin tone that person is, what race that person is, because if they can play, they can play. And you should always pick the best player to be on the team or the one with the most potential that will put in the work. Yeah, girl! So two quick things. The first thing is that this term is used, and I have used this a couple times in this episode, um, it is used to dismantle white supremacy and to promote racial justice. I use the term BIPOC. And for those of you that don't know, B-I-P-O-C, it means Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And it is basically a term to describe minorities. And I've used it a few times in this episode. And I was just wondering if you all were wondering what I was talking about. And if you all do, then that's great. But if you all, you know, needed to learn really quickly what I just established, then that's cool too. Every day is a new learning opportunity. Yes, and the second thing was the white man stamp of approval, which Colin Kaepernick did an amazing job just explaining what this whole thing is. And I kind of shed some light on the white man stamp of approval in the previous Colin Kaepernick episode. It's basically when a white man who has basically the most power um, because of privilege in the world, um, the white man, as soon as he says that, you know, like, oh, wearing braids to the workplace is okay, or, you know, like, this is the acceptable, you know, BIPOC person or whatever. Then they have the white man stamp of approval. And this not only is a very, 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 very harmful term, but it has held a lot of BIPOC people back because we feel like we have to be in a world where if the white people say it's okay, then, you know, then that's when it's accepted. But in reality, you know... Um, more BIPOC people should be accepted, especially people, you know, who really want to show off their culture and just be a part of their own movement. I feel like BIPOCs do not have to adhere to what makes the white perspective comfortable because there needs to be more black, indigenous and people of color perspective. And I just want to correct something. Please do not get me wrong. BIPOCs, of course, show their amazing culture. But sometimes they are held back by, by white male society because they either don't understand something that their culture is or because, you know, jealousy or just anything else that would be wanting to hold them back because of white supremacy. So, you know, of course, BIPOC people do show their culture. I was just explaining how sometimes it becomes hard being accepted like in a workplace or in a school just because of that white supremacy and, you know, that power that it has, you know, it's in the textbooks and everything. Being a minority and getting into that society where it would be very difficult being myself in a workplace or whatever, I honestly do believe in self-expression as long as it doesn't spew hatred onto something else. But if it is beautiful and just something that is healthy and just very loving, then express that. So yes, Colin said that he had to get the white man's stamp of approval, and then he mentioned how the government is supposed to be the land of equal opportunity, you know, in America, and free, 
but it's not free for black people and other minorities in the United States. I feel like being a minority in America always comes at a cost, whether that is police brutality or other racially profiling experiences or code switching, just anything like that. Like, I feel like being being seen as a stereotype is very exhausting because one, not everyone is the same. So you can never put everyone in a little box because you never get to see how they shine and grow, which I do feel like is a driving point for white supremacy. But honestly, it should not be tiring being a certain race or a certain skin tone anywhere. So Colin gives a few examples of this. Um, He uses the first one, which is something that happened in 2011. And Kelly Williams Bolar, um, she spent nine days in jail because she was boundary hopping, apparently. And she sent her daughters to a high-performing school outside of the district that um, that she lived in. But she didn't know this. And I highly doubt that she was informed when she was, you know, putting her kids in there. So, in my opinion, boundary hopping doesn't make sense to me because some people cannot help where they live. And Colin Kaepernick said that this is a trick so that underprivileged people or people who are less fortunate cannot go outside of their boundaries of school. And Colin also said that this is so those people cannot better educate themselves. And honestly, we live in a society where knowledge is everything. So whether that is you making uh, the new latest social media or figuring out world hunger or just anything, knowledge is powerful. So when you're not able to get those opportunities to get more knowledge, it is a holdback. The next example was a man that worked in the hotel service and he was basically carrying bags and he purposefully looked sad. And Colin was saying that if minimum wage is about, you know, 40 plus hours a week of work or 24 hours a day or six days a week, um, if a black person hasn't had the stamp of approval to get more than minimum wage, they are going to work these long hours So Colin also mentioned that living in a world where, especially in the early 2000s, where white people were the noticeably majority and had the most privilege, um, they were in the boss positions, in the government, and over a lot of things in life in general, minorities will more likely need a white man's stamp of approval, unfortunately, to get basic things. For example, BIPOC people also need permission to buy a house, get a loan, and get a raise. So Colin mentioned that in 2015, 27.4% of black applicants were denied mortgages. He said that this was more than twice of the white applicants that were applying for mortgages as homes as well. You know, showing these examples obviously shows the audience that you should really look into the system that you live in because you never know how you are being held back and you should know your rights. And you also should be very aware of what is going on because if you don't have awareness, people can easily take advantage of whatever you're doing. I like that in addition to the evidence that he gave, he gave life experience. Like he was spewing facts. He was giving life experience of what happens and how the system is set up. And he gives this opportunity to the audience to come up with their own conclusions and also take action. Like he didn't have to go on screen and be like, because I showed you all this, take action. This is why I say it was written so well because he literally wanted us to take action by invoking an emotion in us and anything really works especially persuasion if you invoke an emotion in someone this honestly inspired me to talk about it on my podcast to continue talking about the first three minutes of the second episode um we were also shown that when black applicants were approved they paid higher mortgage rates and then to get a loan they were more than likely ran by these white people 
um, you know, for these big loan companies. And so for the first three minutes, it was basically a way of them saying that um, white people have a huge persuasion and control over anything that a black person does. Colin also did a great job mentioning that they're in the government, the workplace, and just determine most of the factors that the average person needs to get by. So we can come to this conclusion that if one group of people has almost total control over the laws, the place where you work, and the likelihood of you getting that job, and you even having a home of your own, this will make it extremely difficult because the system is set up in a certain way. So I would like to give you all some information. So I was told that being a quarterback is, is such a huge deal because you have to be very smart to be a quarterback and, you know, very calculated and exact. So the fact that the golden boy from the private school, you know, the typical, like I was saying, golden boy with blonde hair and blue eyes, the fact that he was chosen over Colin just because, you know, everybody was so hyped about him and honestly, Colin was better and the boy was chosen. I honestly think that this was the coach's way of racially profiling Colin because deep down he didn't think that Colin would be smart enough or calculated or organized enough to be a quarterback and that sits very wrong with me. So something that people shouldn't say is that Colin in Black and White is just a political show because it's also a coming of age show about Colin being a kid in the early 2000s and the early 2000s and 90s are the two greatest decades to me like the culture the fashion the music the everything like it was just really good but i'm getting a little off topic so to get back on track <laughs> um i would just like to say that this is also a coming of age show but the but the harsh reality and a hard pill to swallow for most people especially those that typically write coming of age stories is the fact that being bipoc also comes with being political to be honest like if you think about it we're always in the news. We're always talked about. Um, our culture is always observed and a lot of times assimilated. And to be completely honest, I do feel like every BIPOC person in some way has some sort of political like life behind them because BIPOCs are literally forced to be political. You know, and I thought that Colin showed this very beautifully because he showed that even though, you know, he is a kid in L.A., you know, all around you know, in the early 2000s, seeing all this culture and stuff and just being a teenager. He's also a black kid in America. And a part of being black or BIPOC, um, like I was saying earlier, comes with the political aspect as well. Because not only do you have to be, you know, um, a kid, but you also have to be very aware of the advantages that people could take of you being BIPOC or, you know, microaggressions. You have to be aware all the time. And that's what I mean by sometimes it can be exhausting because you have to watch out for your back so many times and sometimes you just want to relax. So the coming of age aspect of this episode was that Colin said that he learned how to lead and he said that he learned how to listen and how to use those skills to lead because a part of being a leader is being able to listen and he said not just doing what you're told and he said, um, well, you know, insinuated leaders shake things up and become trailblazers from their experiences from their quick thinking so one of the coaches for varsity made an excuse for the poster boy that was his quarterback last year the other coach said that Kaepernick is better and asked him um rhetorically if they want a poster boy or a quarterback leading varsity and Kaepernick basically said that even though he felt like he dominated on the field off the field he had no final say and um, he had no knowledge of what was happening behind closed doors. So that's what I meant by this white man stamp of approval. Because even though, like, you know, they were all friendly to Colin, his face, and was like, hey, 
he did a good job today. That one coach that like made the final decision about everything, who was a white male, he did say, you know, um, from the beginning, he wanted the poster child boy. And I was like, well, that's very unfortunate. And it's very sad that they can't see Colin behind, you know, being not a poster boy, stereotypically. So I took a few life lessons away from this episode. And one, it is important to be a leader. A leader looks like someone who is able to listen and learn from others and take those skills to become assertive in the best way and that can help them and others. Two, the political aspect is the people who have historically been in charge of almost everything have a huge influence on what is going on in BIPOC lives and they're everywhere. And in a world where a black person has to be twice as better, um, no, three times as better than their white counterparts just to catch up. Unfortunately, um, that is still seen today in any field of work or recreation. And the last one that I didn't really think about before was the fact that when you go somewhere that is your place, like when Kaepernick was on the field um, at tryouts during his freshman year, he said that you have to size up your competition. He said this because wherever you're entering, um, your competition is already looking at you, studying how you move, what makes you mad, what makes you happy, what makes you angry, because that is what competition is about. It is about seeing your competitor, you know, as an equal and not only seeing them as an equal, but seeing um, admittedly what makes them tick. So you can either learn from them or become better. Yes, I can honestly relate to this because I am a student athlete still, but before I played softball, I played volleyball. I played volleyball for about four years and previous to that you know I played it like when I was little or whatever in addition to the four years that was my teen years yeah so anyway um when I was in club volleyball when I was a freshman I did learn that like every every like volleyball thing that we went to like over the weekends or just really long game days where we played like about um uh like 10 games (laughs) <laughs> you all can hear it in my voice it was a lot yeah we would play yeah I don't know maybe like 10 games I know one weekend we played a whole bunch of games just all day until we lost and stuff like that because that's how it works but um yeah we would always come in and people would immediately start looking at you seeing how you walk they will watch how you serve the ball how you play how you and your team interacts and sometimes they would even do like the bogus thing and like see what makes you mad and then they would try to use that on the court. And, you know, that would be pretty irritating and also kind of a lot. Because not only are they seeing us as like a BIPOC team, you know, like one of the only BIPOC teams, but they're also, you know, trying to intimidate us. And, you know, you just have to deal with that, especially um, as a person who wants to compete against other people, like an athlete or a person in a job field. That's something you just have to deal with. Sometimes people do try to get in your head about things to make you lose or to make you look a fool in front of other people. But will you allow them to do that is the biggest question here. So, yeah, Colin spewed some really, 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 really good facts. And along with the facts, some life lessons that I honestly still think about, even though I watched the show like a month or so ago. So honestly, be prepared to want to be a winner because what comes with being a winner is staying on top and still getting your bag and learning from other people and 
being aware of what is going on because again being aware is so important if you have no clue what is going on how are you even expected to elevate in this world yeah so the last takeaway that i will say from this episode is that the parents in this episode had very interesting ways of trying to intervene um with colin being a better football player and i will say that they did you know give him the support that he needed um i honestly think that it was because this was something that they could relate to because you know football isn't race driven you know like football isn't just for one race football is for everyone so um i will say that they are not the villains of the show although sometimes they do fail at supporting colin in the cultural ways that they that he needs so i will say that for football they did do a really good job at supporting him because football is his dream so the mom at first did try to call up to the school and she was like, I'm going to call them and tell them that my baby should be football, should be, um, sorry, not football, what? <laughs> should be quarterback. She was like, I'm calling them because he should be quarterback. And I don't understand why he's not quarterback. And then the dad was like, no, let's like surprise them. So his dad got him into like, um, how I was mentioning club volleyball. He got him into, um, like a little league um kind of like a club football thing where he was working with people who were like adults and he was working with a professional football coach and he was just getting better so next year that he came back he elevated and he clearly outshined the quarterback that was used for that season and yeah I did like how they supported him in that way again I do recommend and hope that you all watch Colin in Black and White because that show is a masterpiece and it has easily become a cult classic because not only did it show what it is like being, you know, growing up as a teenager in L.A. in the early 2000s where, you know, culture was um, spewed in the media in a certain way and stuff. And, you know, racial profiling, we saw a lot of that. And it was beginning to be shown. Um, not only is it political, but it's also a growing up story. And I feel like that's important because um, a lot of people's lives are political. Don't get me wrong. Um, politics play a huge part in life, but politics aren't everything that drives a person to wake up in the morning. So yeah, this has been Miss Mom and Gen Z, signing off. <laughs> I really hope that y'all enjoyed this episode. Now, enjoy some great beats. Know that the ride or die.